Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Depressing times, aren't they? Given the sad, depressing time that we're currently living in, I was thinking if you could set the clock back to any time in America, what was the best time in America? Your best time in America is what I'm asking you. Now, why am I doing this? Well, because I can't talk about COVID for one more second without committing suicide. I'm going to talk about the dangers of hydroxychloroquine a little later on, and please When you're listening to me, understand I'm a trained scientist and this is a field of my expertise. And just because the president is promoting it and I am not does not mean I'm anti-Trump. It means I'm pro-science and pro-facts. So try to put your brain back inside your head and understand that just because Donald Trump supports something doesn't mean I have to support it. But I don't want to talk about that because it's just going to lead to an argument with many of you who don't want to hear the truth about anything. So let's have a little fantasy together. And again, I saw an article this morning. NASA scientists detect evidence of parallel universe where time runs backwards. What a story that was. Uh, It's very complicated. And it's like the Twilight Zone. But apparently a group of NASA scientists who are working on an experiment in Antarctica detected evidence of a parallel universe where the rules of physics are the opposite of our own. Now, what does that mean? Well, is it science fiction? They don't say so. What they say is that these particles they found are actually traveling backward in time, suggesting evidence of a parallel universe, a parallel universe where time runs backwards. I don't think I completely understand this, but it got me to thinking, if you could turn the clock backwards, what was the best time in America? Now, I tweeted that just before the show. And I want to read you some of the tweets as you 
Wile and Dial, 855-400-7282, 855-400-SAVAGE. The most creative show in the history of talk radio. Because if you think I'm going to talk about Flynn or Trump or Biden or Ukraine, you got the wrong channel. So let's see what you had to say about if you could turn the clock backwards. What was the best time in America? Because we're living in some really depressing times, by the way. So people are saying things like this, 1969, 1955. Someone wrote 2016 before we realized an all chamber controlling rhino, the, the rhinos would fumble it all. Someone said the 1980s, 1990 to 2005, 1986, 87, 88. Another one says, I'd like to go back to the challenges of the early West. Another one says, anytime before 9-11, summer of 1975, anytime prior to 9-11. I'd like to go back to election night 2016. That sure was fun. Another one says, from the 50s up until a couple of months ago, uh, have been spectacular. I don't know about the future. Reagan years in my lifetime, says another one. Another one says, a couple of months ago before COVID. Another one says, 1988, Reagan, Eon, and a landslide. 49 states, consensus in America. Another man says, 1945 to 2001. Another one says, I'd like to go to the future, then back to the past. 1776 sounds like a great year to visit. And maybe 2050 on the love and light timeline. Another one says the 80s. I'm getting a lot of 80s answers. Another one says just prior to internet and social media. Wow. What time was that like in America? No internet, no social media. People walking in the street who you could say hello to, who didn't trip on curbs, walking around with the holy grail in their hand. 90s, 1966, uh, early 60s, 45 to 59, when the liberal menace had not yet shown its ugly head. And the greatest generation still emphasized family values, religion, a common national identity. The Democrat government hadn't yet turned benefits into quid pro quos with the electorate. 1955 to 64. Someone says this morning, another idiot says breakfast. Another says the night they drove old Dixie down in the winter of 65. We were hungry, just barely alive, you know, like today. 55 and 84, 80s, 55, 77, 1776, before communism. Most years between 45 and 2000. Another one says the Reagan era. Uh, you get it. Another one says, when I was a U.S. Senator, Dr. Savage, who's this? Is this a real senator? When I was a U.S. Senator, Dr. Savage, there was no better time in these great United States. In fact, I worked both sides of the aisle and their wives and was able to do it all without a drop of alcohol. <laughs> now, though, I spend my days. Gri okay, this is just a dirty one. Okay. The 50s, from what I'm told in my lifetime, blah, 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 blah tomorrow. Today, blah, 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 blah. So what do you have to say? If you could turn the clock back to any time in the past to get away from the time we are living in, where would you go? What was the best time in America for you? I'd like to hear it from you, from you. What was the best time for you? is what I'd like to hear. And why? <clears throat> why would you say it was the best time in America if you could turn the clock back? Someone says, in 1952 to, 50 to 64, the economy was booming. Silver certificates were in circulation, along with 90s, 90 percent silver coinage. Merle Haggard had a song about that era called, Are the Good Times Really Over for Good? Another one says, I'm not sure we have had one yet. United we stand, divided we fall, but if I had to choose definitely World War II era, we all put aside our divisions aside for the good of the nation, but that didn't last too long. You ain't right. You're not wrong about that one. Didn't last too long at all. Uh, 1965, unless you were a minority, in which case it would have to be in the past 15 to 20 years. I knew somebody would throw in race. I knew that couldn't go too long before we got a little racism thrown in there. 
1972, 1945 after World War II. Bob says June Van Nuys, 1967. First bicycle, a Schwinn with a banana seat and sissy bar from a garage sale. I can still smell the honeysuckle as I rode around the block, humming a tune, happy together by the turtles. That's a beautiful memory that man has. That's a beautiful one. First bicycle, a Schwinn. You know, it's bringing back memories in me, and I don't want to go down memory lane with you, but I want you to go down memory lane with uh, more people than you'll meet for the rest of your life. So let's listen to some of the callers right now. Let's begin with uh, Kathy in Washington, line one. Kathy, go ahead. If you could turn the clock back, where would you go? I would go to 1980, which is really bizarre because I had just moved up here to Aberdeen, Washington. Um, My husband and I, uh, he just graduated from OIT, Oregon Institute of Technology, with an engineering degree, and he got a great job up here. Well, the mountain blue. It was like, oh, my gosh, where's my husband taking me? But we ended up having two wonderful children over there. Did you say Mount St. Helens blue? Is that what you just meant? Yeah, yeah. That was like, you know, Monday. I think it was Monday when it was the anniversary. So you're marking that time as the best time in your life, even though Mount St. Helens blew and scared you. Oh, it did scare me. But, you know, David and I were starting this new life. And then, well, but you're living where? In Washington State? What? Are you living in Washington State, I assume? Yeah, Washington State. But that's when Washington was still a rather conservative American state. It became a cesspool soon thereafter. Oh, definitely. What happened? Everyone from San Francisco who destroyed the city moved up there and ruined Seattle? Is that how it went? I think it is sort of like that, really. Yeah, they, they drove up in their, in their old uh, Volvos that could hardly make it to Seattle. And then they landed in Seattle to run away from the pollution they created in San Francisco. Uh, And then they destroyed Seattle and then it affected the entire great state of Washington. But see, we're on Grace Harbor, which is on the coast. And so they do affect us some ways, especially with voting and everything. You know, everything's all about. Well, but you basically don't feel it. I don't. I don't. Okay, so what you're saying is even though the psychos, the liberal psychos are ruining the state, you don't really feel them where you live up in the uh, out on the water. No. Um, well, we do in some um, circumstances, especially our school districts. Uh, but, so in the schools, they've all been taken over by the psychopath left. Yeah, pretty much. Are they trying to tell your son to put on a dress and think he's a girl for a day? Uh, or, or to be a Muslim for the afternoon? I don't know what that is. To practice that bowing down to Mecca? Have they have put that into the curriculum yet? All right, that's one call. That's not bad. She's living, you know, in a dream path. Jim, before we take a break, Robert put that together for me quickly because I was going to get into the Quinism press release and the dangers of hydroxy, and I don't want to do that right now. I do feel obligated to tell you uh, that it is very dangerous for many people and that many of you are so angry at me because I dare show you some of the science, and you're making statements that are stupid on, on, on social media. You're not listening to the literature. People have gotten sick from hydroxychloroquine. Just because Dr. Hannity prescribes it, a man who went to the ninth grade, does not mean that it is good for America. Okay? And so I'm not going to do that right now. I want to do this. If you could turn the clock back, where would you go with that? Uh, Robert, could you play some 40s music for me? Some uh, Little Brown Jug or something, Glenn Miller-ish. I wasn't a lot. I was a child at the time. I don't remember music, but I certainly listened to the shows from those eras. If we have some Glenn Miller, I want to hear it just for the hell of it. 
Well, you can go back to the 30s or the jazz age in the 1920s. That looked like a fun age with the uh, the dancing and the speakeasies. I like that age a lot. What do you think of that? Uh, any sound would be great because I'm dying up here. No, 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 no. People, no, no, no. 40s, 40s, 40s. Give me, give me some 40s music if we have it. You were into 40s when we were running it back. Didn't we have a little 40s in there come in? A little 40s Glenn Miller, World War II type music that you can feel America coming together. The boys coming home in their uniforms. The women were there waiting for them, uh, not sleeping with their stepsister. There was no internet pornography. The pornographers were beaten by cops and thrown into jail uh, where they belong. There were very little drugs in America other than prescription medications. Uh, if anyone used drugs, it was usually limited to uh, people in the music business and people in the margins of America. But drugs had not yet poisoned most of America's families. So don't think this is such an easy topic to talk about, because if you actually look at what America was like and what it could have been like, had we not taken that terribly dark turn in the 1960s with the false assumption that liberalism would save America and we wound up in the handcuffs of liberalism here in America, you'd come to understand why I'm doing this show. Robert, give me a piece of music right now before we go somewhere else. Any kind of 40s, 30s. You, you had a little bit of it. Let's go there. Let's play some of it. Oh, it's all part of the mix. Okay, so we can't play it. It was a last-minute thing. See, here's the beauty of a creative show like mine. I was depressed this morning. I didn't even want to do the show. I almost said, I can't do the show today. I cannot talk about this disease. I cannot talk about the psychopathic fascist governors one more second. I am not interested in the Flynn case. I am not interested in Biden and Ukraine. I don't want to talk about it. I'd rather never talk again. I'd rather retire than have to do this for the rest of my life. Whatever years or days or months or hours I have left, I cannot spend them talking about this crap. Not one more second. There's a bigger world out there. So I went into my imagination. And then I saw the article. NASA scientists detect evidence of a parallel universe where time runs backwards. And that's why I'm asking you. If you could turn the clock backwards, what was the best time in America, either for the country or for you? I will take your calls momentarily. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Now, more than ever, it's really important to take care of yourself and avoid unnecessary trips to the doctor, chiropractor, masseuse. Social distancing having an effect on everything these days. And nothing is more important right now than keeping your body healthy and pain-free. All right, so if you're sitting at home suffering from aches and pains from arthritis, backaches, muscle soreness, joint pain, and you want to try a drug-free solution, then you owe it to yourself to try the product that you're probably hearing about across so many podcasts. What is it? CryoFreeze CBD Pain Relief Roll-On is an all-natural topical pain reliever that instantly ices out the pain with a one-two punch of super cold menthol and hemp CBD. Simply roll cryo-freeze onto your back, neck, hands, and any other painful areas to help block the pain. Reduce inflammation and improve muscle and joint flexibility. Cryo-freeze contains 10 powerful ingredients that combine to provide a powerhouse dose of relief, which can last up to eight hours. It's much longer than any other roll-on. Try CryoFreeze today and learn why so many people have rated it five stars and have written so many letters thanking Omax for the life-changing relief they're getting from this product. Now listen, 
Cryofreeze was inspired by cryotherapy, which means cold therapy. This treatment exposes the body to cold temperatures in order to numb and reduce pain or inflammation. If you have pain that won't go away, then you qualify for Omax Cryofreeze. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain. No messy creams or horrible fragrances like some of those other products. Nope. Cryofreeze works within five minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, and performance. Please, please go to OmaxHealth.com and please enter code SAVAGE to get your 20% off Cryofreeze and anything on their website. You got it? It's a lot of information, but it's a lot of relief. That's OmaxHealth.com. Enter code SAVAGE. You're going to get 20% off on that and any other product, and you're also going to get the relief you're looking for. OMAXHealth.com, code SAVAGE. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. I don't want to be here. Can I get into that parallel universe somehow? And, and stop the clock somewhere along the way backwards? How did I get to this stage of 2020 when the world died on me? How did I get to a place where communism emerged in America under the guise of a smiley face? Gavin Newsom smiling at us while putting us into a communist chokehold. He's not alone, though. He's just doing what uh, all the other liberal governors are doing under the guise of saving us for ourselves. It is out of the twilight zone that communism arrived and it came with a smiley face, uh, not with a hammer and sickle. But then again, I'm not surprised. I've been on to what liberalism is for a long time. I've seen it from the times I was a social worker and I knew where it would lead. However, I never knew it would come at us so quickly and from these sources, never. So forgive me for wanting to live in another place in another time. But uh, NASA scientists are saying they detected evidence of a parallel universe where time runs backwards and it got me to think, well, I don't want to live in this sad, depressing time. I can hardly get through a day. I can hardly do a radio show. I don't want to talk about COVID. I don't care if it's COVID-1 or COVID-19. That's a joke. I know the difference. There is no COVID-1. I don't want to talk about Trump. I don't want to talk about Biden. I don't give a damn about the election. How's that? How's that? I'm disloyal to America because I could give a damn less about the election. It doesn't matter who's going to win. We have communism, socialism on a different scale. What the hell is the difference? We're all socialists now. Everyone has a handout. Nobody wants to work. Everybody wants a government check. So tell me how this is not socialism or communism. And on top of getting a free handout, on top of getting a free handout, you got the fascists out there telling you you can't throw a volleyball on a beach. How's that for communism? So I don't want to live in this world. N'importe de os du monde was written by the French. It doesn't matter where, anywhere out of this world. N'importe N'importe. Yeah, it doesn't matter where. Forget the French. I'm not trying to show off. I know a little Parisian French, but what's the good of it? Michael Savage, a host like no other. Look, it's no surprise that what's going on in the world might be contributing to more stress and sleep deprivation. Let Ebb help. Ebb sleep is a wearable solution that fits over the forehead 
and gently and precisely cools the forehead to reduce those racing thoughts to allow people who are suffering from sleeplessness drift more comfortably into a deeper, more restorative sleep. Ebb is clinically validated and four out of five users report falling asleep faster and improving overall sleep quality. Ebb's sleep understands the uncertainty you may be experiencing at this time and wants to help. Now, does it really work? Robert, one of my producers, has been using Ebb's sleep for a few weeks. He's noticed a dramatic change in his sleep. He's falling asleep faster and waking up feeling more rested than he has in years. He's even acting nicer to me. It's got to be that EBV sleep understands the uncertainty you may be experiencing at this time and wants to help. Our listeners can save $25 off what you order by using... My listeners can save $25 off their order by using promo code SAVAGE to save and then continue to try Ebb risk-free, risk-free, risk-free for 60 nights to confirm it's the solution you've been looking for at tryeb.com slash savage. I got to spell it for you because I want you to try it. T-R-Y-E-B-B dot com slash savage. Tryeb.com slash savage. Why don't you let us help you get the sleep you need and remove the risk from your purchase? You win all around. That's T-R-Y-E-B-B dot com slash savage. Tryeb.com slash savage. Promo code SAVAGE to save. Would you please order today and get that night's sleep you've been looking for? With everything going on, get the sleep you need and you deserve. Tryeb.com slash SAVAGE. Trust Robert. He went to tryebb.com slash SAVAGE. And I can tell you, it's really helping him. It will help you. Just go to tryebb.com slash SAVAGE. Uh, okay, so here it is. I didn't want to do politics today because true politics is the art of what's possible. I want you to think about that for one minute. We all think we're on one side or the other or we know better and it should be this and it should be that. But if you're actually in the chambers where politics are decided, true politics is the art of what's possible, not what you want. And so therefore, I don't want to talk about what's possible anymore. I've done enough of it. Okay, I've done enough of what's possible and what I got was the impossible and I don't want to live in the impossible So I read the article that NASA scientists detect evidence of a parallel universe where time runs backwards and I say wait a minute Maybe my loyal audience of savage listeners would like to take this time Trip with me and I'm asking you where would you like to go in time? Given the sad depressing time we are living in if you could set the clock back What was the best time for you or in America? What are your best memories? I mean, I could give you mine, but I don't want to bore you right now. I can do that another time. I could bore you anytime I want. But why don't you call and share that with us? Robert, do we have that music? A little Paul Whiteman from the 30s for the heck? Oh, it's still working. All right, whatever. All right, let's go to line seven. Bob in Colorado. Bob, what's your answer to that uh, little conundrum? Would you set the clock back or stay where we are? What I would do is go back in time. Physically, if I could do that, and pick out the things that made society work so that the progression forward was that everybody has an opportunity in order to be able to thrive and survive. Yeah, but everybody does have an opportunity. All we hear is that it's racism that keeps people down. You know that. You know that's a lie. I mean, I've been a victim of reverse racism. They, they turned the, the whole society against me because I was white. 
They gave jobs to people who are far less competent than I was. What do you mean everyone has an opportunity? I was a poor boy. I just drove myself very hard and got where I am. No one gave it to me. What do you mean we'd all have an opportunity? So what would that ideal place be, communism? No, absolutely not. It needs to be under the similar system that we're within. However, what I'm getting at is that when you go back in time and you look at several decades, so let's say, for instance, for me, 80s were good. You know why? Okay, look, let's make this simple. Could you give us a time you would go back to, or would you say you wouldn't? If I could, yes, I would go back into the 80s when Reagan was in power. Okay, well, that's a simple and a, and, a, and a direct answer. But why would you say the Reagan era would be the ideal place to go to? Because at that time, for me personally, I was in the military. And so that directly related to me as far as... So those were happy times for you? You felt like you were part of a good nation and a good military, and everyone thought more or less the same way? And, and the majority of the nation felt the same way at the same time. Well, but did they? Was the majority of America on Reagan's side even then? I mean, don't you remember what, 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 don't you remember what the nabbling nabobs were doing to him even then? I do. But don't you remember what they were saying about him? He was, he was this, he was that, he was this, he was that. This is the same backbiting that was going on now with Trump was going on then. Uh, but in some ways, you could say it was a better time, but I don't know in what way. We, we had the Cold War that was threatening to blow the world up, didn't we? And did it? Yeah, well, we don't have the Cold War now. Pelosi wanted a hot war, but she didn't get it. So instead of turning it on Russia, she now turned it on America. Half of America that voted for Donald Trump. What a great leader of the uh, U.S. House of Representatives. What a great speaker of the House we have. Every day she sounds like she's suffering from uh, a quinine overdose. In fact, she represents to me some of the symptoms of uh, the side effects of hydroxychloroquine. Because they're all mental symptoms, incidentally, unless it's a heart condition. Yeah, I'm serious about it. The side effects of hydroxychloroquine are those that are being expressed by Nancy Pelosi in many ways. And if you'd like, I can read you some of the dangers of uh, uh, the use of antimalarial quinolins against COVID-19. I know that uh, you're not going to want to hear any of it, but tell me this doesn't apply to Schumer or Pelosi or any of the left. Tinnitus, dizziness, vertigo, visual disturbances, nightmares, insomnia, anxiety, agoraphobia, paranoia, cognitive dysfunction, depression, personality change, and suicidal thoughts, said Dr. Nevin, particularly among military veterans in whom these drugs have been widely used for decades as prophylactic antimalarials. These symptoms can mimic and be mistaken for those of post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury. I think it applies to most Democrats. But then again, I didn't want to do politics because I said true politics is the art of what's, what's possible. So let's go back to the imaginary world that we're living in which is the imaginary world of the past. Where would you go? Carlos in San Jose, thanks for calling. What era would you go back to? Carlos, line two, go ahead, please. Gone. Okay, <laughs> we'll just go down the list. Uh, let's go to uh, San Francisco. Tim on line, uh, where's Tim? Tim on line six, you're on the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. Where would you take us? Hi, Michael. From 1955 uh, to 1975, I think it was a period where there was just a good balance of everything. We had the perfect level of technology back then. Yeah, not too much, not too little. We had telephones, but they were connected to the wall. We didn't know who was calling. You paid your quarter and you took your chances when you answered. And nobody could find you once you left their house. 
<laughs> you know, we had we had cars that were reasonably reliable, and not too many of them on the road. We had televisions, but there were only three channels, so everybody as a society watched the same thing. Yeah, I like it. How are, you, are you making this stuff up as you go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, no, it's very good. It's a very good insight that you're putting out there. Well, let me continue. We, we had airplanes, uh, but, you know, you, you know, your mom made you dress up in your church clothes. Do you remember what it was like to fly in those ear? how people got dressed up to go on an airplane? Have you seen the garbage that flies now? Uh, it was a big deal. And, and then when you go on and you start thinking about, okay, from a health standpoint, you know, vaccines had been invented. There was uh, a lot of the things that would fell a person uh, in young in life, like polio. A lot of that had been eradicated. Uh, and, and then culturally, we had great music. I mean, we really did. I, I disagree with a lot of the, I think the, the, the mental disorder of the left started beginning its genesis in the later period that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, wait, let's stop right there for a minute. The genesis of the left's takeover of our culture began with the beatniks in the 50s. Would you agree with that? I would, I would. and I would. It was William Burroughs, Allen Ginsberg, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, and the other left-wing fanatics who started to glorify the anti-hero. You could throw in Charles Bukowski... If you wanted to put him in that category from a cultural point of view, you could throw in Jack Kerouac. But he was not really so much of a counterculturalist as he is made out to be by the leftists. He actually hated the left. Michael, they were all right here in San Francisco. And I will say that San Francisco looked its prettiest between those years. It, it, it had. Can you imagine women walked around in dresses and white gloves in those in the 50s? Yes. And in the- uh, th- think of the Hitchcock movies. I like uh, Think of the Hitchcock movie, some of the, like, like birds, how women dressed going into department stores compared to now they all look like they've just come back from a binge on a hike somewhere. They, they had an all-night orgy somewhere in the woods. The hippies came along, men were men and women were women. I think uh, we pine a little bit for the Mad Men era, and I, I, I do. I, I miss the San Francisco back in the day. It was always a bit of a crazy town, but you know what? Uh, the adults were in charge. The Aliotos ran this place kind of like the Dailies ran Chicago, you know? That's right, but they did a good job of running the city. It was clean. It was safe. Your mother could walk at night for, a, for, a, for a, a, some groceries. Look what the liberals have done to this city. You know, I was in the city yesterday. I haven't been in there in six months. Would you believe it? I got sick in December. I haven't been in the city in six months. I went in once for one reason. I was shocked when I went in yesterday. Not only did it look like a ghost town, but I saw something that's so sociologically interesting to me. Very few people were wearing masks in San Francisco compared to the conformists in Marin County who walk around in a paranoid bubble. I thought that was interesting that the most liberal county in Northern California, which is the psychopathic Marin County, is the most conformist and the most frightened. Even San Franciscans, they were running on the Embarcadero, no masks. They were walking on Broadway, no masks. I saw almost no masks there. Is that something you're seeing? I'm seeing that a lot, uh, although I am also seeing a lot of the, uh, oh, God, I was in line the other day, and, and, and uh, a woman with mask and gloves, she pointed, she pointed down at my feet, and I looked down, I thought maybe I dropped a dollar or something, and <laughs> it was a little yellow line, and my feet were four inches above the yellow line, and she was shaming me, and I, you know, she couldn't see my smirk, but she might have caught the roll of my eye, you know. You know, I was in the city yesterday, so I went into a building where I have an apartment. And I'm, I was with someone. He was wearing a mask. He was wearing gloves. And a middle-aged woman started to get in the elevator, and she looked at him, and she said, he said, there's room for you. And she screamed at him, 
I'm not getting in the elevator with you. You could kill me. Could you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stanford. Can you imagine what this city has degenerated in, into? Not only be, let's talk about what the liberals have done to this city before this epidemic, but now look at what they've done to it sociologically. They have brought about communism. Who is this mayor breed? Where did she come from? Who is she? I, I have no idea. How did we go from a known quantity like Joseph Alioto mayor to an unknown hack? I don't know who this Mayor London Breed is. I don't know who picked her, how she became mayor. I have no idea what she does. She is the most fascistic lunatic I've ever seen. She has crippled the entire city with idiocy. All right. So, okay, there we are. The man was right. The man was right. There was a period in America, the late 70s. He's 100% right. You know, sometimes when I want to turn the clock back, I search for a movie on TV uh, in the 70s. I like to look at the... um, the 70 millimeter cinemascope or even the technicolor films of that era. But most interestingly, I like to see the city streets and the scenes in New York or LA from that era. I like, they're all American cars. There were no so-called quote foreign cars in America at that time. You could argue they were junk. They weren't junk, but they're all big giant, uh, you know, like American cars the men were all wearing decent clothing. Nobody dressed looking like they were a hobo or a bum or they just got off a binge in a, in a gutter. Uh, women were dressed well. They wouldn't go out unless they had their hair done, their nails done, wearing a nice you know, set of clothes. It was a different place. Bums were not in the streets. Uh, the cops would push them away. They'd round them up, push them out of the streets. They wouldn't let them crap. Certainly wouldn't let them even walk in the, in the wrong neighborhoods, the bums. They wouldn't even let them in there because they knew it was bad for business. Common sense ruled. How did we come to the point where these psychopathic left-wing governors and mayors have not only destroyed the cities, having more care for illegal aliens who are non-citizens than for citizens who pay taxes, not blocking the gangs from coming over the border, but blocking you from stepping on the sand of Santa Cruz Beach? I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Okay, you know I'm a car guy. You know I've had a Hellcat. And with the ever-increasing numbers of cars like Dodge, BMW, and Volkswagen, and models like the Hellcat, X3, and Jetta, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. We all know that. I'm a car guy. And I'm telling you, why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while a counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right in your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts in a chain store or new car dealership when you could do it at home on your own computer. Now, you may not know this, but chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and reliably low they are. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Does not require this. You could just do it yourself. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts 
from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet sets. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. But best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write SAVAGE in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's S-A-V-A-G-E. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Don't stand online in an auto parts store and wait for the hostile clerk to get back to you. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Well, we're turning the clock back today on the Savage Nation because I don't want to live in this world anymore. I can't stand it. I mean, I was going to talk about hydroxychloroquine and the side effects or dangers, but it's talking to a wall. Most of you think that because Donald Trump says he's using it, it's good for you, and it doesn't matter what the science shows, you made your minds up. And then there's the other side, that no matter what he says, they're against him. So I don't even, I don't even want to do it. The science is out there. You can find it on your own. Uh, or you can consult with the great Dr. Hannity on the subject because he went as far as the ninth grade and he's an expert on these subjects. And I'm sure that his advice to the president uh, is, is well taken. Instead of talking about the dangers of hydroxychloroquine or about the, the stupidity now about Ukraine and Biden and Hunter and Schmunter and Bunter, I, I don't want to do it. Pardon me. I'm not obligated to do it. So I see this article. NASA scientists detect evidence of parallel universe where time runs backwards. Say, what the hell is this? What, what do you mean a parallel universe where time runs backward? So I have a friend, Dr. Jack Sarfati. He's a physicist, and he's been hocking me at Chinik about this for 20 years. Uh, this is his field of expertise. He's been consulted by the Defense Department. And he says it to me, and it goes in one ear out the other, because I say, Jack, even if it's true, what good does it do me? Uh, you know... In the world I'm living in, I really don't care about a parallel universe. I care about this universe. But today I'm saying, if you could turn the clock back in time, where would you take us? And that's what we're going to do in the next hour, right here on The Savage Nation. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. So, here we are, we're turning the clock back. Given the sad, depressing time we're living in, and no one can deny that, this is probably the saddest time in American history that I've lived through. 
where fascism has emerged with a smiley face, where all of these nanny state so-called liberal governors and mayors are saving us from ourselves by introducing Stalinism. I say to myself, wait a minute, if you could set the clock back, Michael, what was the best time in America? What was the best time in your life? And I'm not going to bore you with my view. I've done it with my books. I mean, you know, a savage life is uh, turning the clock back to my 50s, 60s and stuff like that. And it all wasn't a very good time for me, incidentally. You know, there is no time like the present in some ways to, to do to be the best of times and the worst of times. I mean, we could put rose colored glasses on and look back on our lives and think times were better. And in some ways, maybe they were, but maybe they weren't. But in terms of a nation, you can't tell me this is the best time in American history. It is the most depressing time I have ever lived through, and I've lived through an awful lot. And so I am asking you, I look at an article here, and it says, oh, scientists detect evidence of a parallel universe where time runs backwards. Interesting. I can't say I understand that. You have to be an experimental particle physicist to uh, understand the Dow neutrino and how it works, and Cornell, and this and that. And uh, I don't really understand it, to be honest with you. And uh, although I have a PhD in, a, in an unrelated science, I'm able to read literature, I don't understand this at all. I can't understand how this could even work. You know, in my mind, I could turn the clock back. That's called a memory. I don't think it's a, a, a neutrino. I think it's called some, <laughs> something else. And I would venture a guess that everyone listening to this show if they let themselves, could easily drift off into the past and remember a time in their lives that was better than now. But I'm more interested in a way, from a sociological point of view, of a time in America that was better than now. And that's what I want to get to. And so I played some Artie Shaw music from the 30s. He was before my time. I heard my father talk about him because he was a young man in the 30s to him were his teenage years, I suppose. But you look at the, the YouTube picture of an Artie Shaw band or a Glenn Miller band. They were all dressed well. They were clean. They didn't have gold in their teeth and they weren't rubbing their crotch on the stage. They weren't doing a burlesque for you in the middle of it. It seemed to be a more civil America. And so everything has degenerated from the movies to the music. Uh, what is better? I don't know. What is better? There must be better stuff. I mean, I happen to love the Internet. I'm a guy who has a very fertile mind and a very fertile imagination. And since I got sick last December, I've not slept one night fully through. I've had one night's sleep. I'll be honest with you, I haven't. I'm up a few times a night. So what do I do? I don't go out and look at Cassiopeia. I don't go out and look at the stars. I've done that in the past. I've written poetry in the middle of the night in the past. But that was then. This is now. You know what I do? I turn the Internet on. I can go anywhere on the Internet. I don't have to go to dark places. I can go to light places. I can look up classic cars. I can look up boats that I want to own or boats that I did own. I can go to imaginary places that I would like to go to or places I had been. I can go back in history. I can read literature. I can read science. I can read poetry. So to me, in many ways, as a man of the mind, this is somewhat of the be best age in the history of the world, honestly. But on the other hand, I have never seen such a degenerated political system as I do now, where people who pose as liberated liberals are actually the fascists who are locking us up and putting us in prison all in the name of protecting us and the people are sheeple who do nothing they don't riot they don't go down to city hall with the uh, uh veritable pitchforks and put them in prison no we all comply like little little gray mice they got us where they want us 
And so when communists came to America, when communism came to America and fascism came to America, it didn't come uh, from a militia marching with a Nazi uh, armband. It came from very, very nice liberals who look like the uh, man next door. But they're not the man next door. They're the man from the 1930s who locked the world into a very, very dark place. And if we are not careful, mark my words, these power mad maniacs, mayors, governors, whoever they may be. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Now that they see how compliant we are and how none of us are really fighting back against their insanity where they've broken the economy over their knee. These idiots who've never held a job or given a service that anyone ever needed, destroyed entire cities and states, they will get worse. They will not get better. So if, if you don't mind, given the sad, dark times we are living in, if you could set the clock back and take a little time travel with me, Michael Savage, why don't you tell us what the best time was in America in your mind? Let's begin in Pennsylvania where Mary is holding Mary on line three, where would you take us? What time would be best? Hello? Yeah, yes, Mary, what would be best? What time? Best. Well, um, I think the best time um, was the 1970s, particularly the late 1970s, um, on the south shore of Long Island, New York. Um, it was still well run. Um, people, we could talk. Who, 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 who was the county commissioner in the 70s? In, 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 was it Galati? I don't remember who the county commissioner was because I was only a teenager then, but, but um, Suffolk County was re- Republican-run, and I believe Nassau was, too. Nassau County, Nassau County. It was, it was clean and safe, wasn't it? Yes, Nassau and Suffolk. And then something happened when they started bringing in Central American, quote, refugees, all the churches, all the Catholic churches making <laughs> fortunes on them, were bringing them in, and they, they ruined those, those uh, they ruined Long Island. I know what they did. They made believe that they were helping them, but in fact, they were helping themselves. On the wall, when Andrew Cuomo's father um, was governor, and I left New York for Pennsylvania. Did he do a good job, the original Cuomo? Are you there? I mean, we're having a conversation. Don't give me such long pauses. I can't take it. Okay, I'm sorry. He wasn't as, he wasn't as bad as his son is. Right. The son is a complete loser. He had no regard for the people on the this son has never run this son has never held held a job in his life do you know that no the governor of new york never held a job he was a, he worked for his father on his campaign and he never worked outside of politics he's a lifer he's always been a government apparatchik why does this cuomo think that playing the meatball and spaghetti uh, godfather theme is going to play outside of new york he's actually detested outside of new york Detested inside of New York as well. This gravelly voiced, heavy duty, you know, gangster like thing doesn't play outside of Manhattan. Do you know that? No, it doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm Italian American myself, and it's a horrible. Oh, well, there we go. Right. The stereotype of the tough Italian with the goombas in the house and the big family. Do you think the American people buy that act? No, no. And it's offensive to Italian Americans. Well, it's the same way Howard Stern is offensive to Jewish Americans. Exactly, exactly. How does a 70-year-old Jew have a wig like that and get away with it? I don't understand it. Oh, I don't understand it. How does anyone not say, take your, your damn wig off, you look like a dunce? Whoa, what is this schmuck doing attacking the president like he's somebody important? When he's always been a semi-pornographic balloon man his whole life, who got lucky because he got into a, you know, a, a niche for himself with idiots who listen to him. 
All right. Well, what can I say? Here we are. I can say what I'm saying. I know what to say. I'm saying what I'm saying. California, 1975, Ken says, is the place he would go. Let's go to Las Vegas. Tom, what would be the best time in American history for you? I like to savage. I would go back to 1969 for me. Um, I got a long list. I'll try to make it short. It feels like Big Brother's on you everywhere you go. You're constantly being watched. Back then, it was more laid back. Uh, you know. Well, you are being watched. There are cameras everywhere, and now you got the nanny state and all of these left-wing goons watching everything you do. And if you walk out without a mask, they attack you. Yeah, I agree. And the music, you, know, you put the radio on, driving along, the music was great, put you in a good mood. The neighbors watched out for you. The doors were opened, and, you know, you could just... Where were you? Li- where were you living in America in that period? Uh, Chicago. And it was safe even in Chicago in the sixties. Yeah, the neighbors would leave their doors open, and you know, and you can go have a cup of coffee. And some- but Tom, it says you're calling me from the Las Vegas area. Are you living in Vegas now? Yes, I am. Are you in witness protection, or were you in the um, uh, industry? No, no. I I just it just seemed to. Um, Anytime that guy says he's from Chicago and now he's retired in Vegas, I I can't help but have stereotypes. Oh, no. That's like every Italian of a certain generation, even if they were like a dentist from Brooklyn, they made believe they were in the mafia because they they got their rocks off and pretending they were tough. But, you know, I just think about it sometimes. Every Jew from New York made believe they were a billionaire, even if they were schlepping to the garment center to work on making handbags. Yeah, I, I, I kind of uh, heard you say, I kind of find myself going on YouTube and watching old commercials and videos because I, I wanted to know, like, back in the day, there'd be a news broadcast and they'd see what's going on, then they'd move on to something else. Now it seems like it's just... It is, propaganda, around-the-clock propaganda. Yeah. The media. Well, what more do you need to know than a guy like Anderson Cooper is a news person? What more do you need to know that this unqualified, uneducated dunce pretends to be a genius and they give him a pair of glasses that are not even prescription. They're just blank glasses to make him look intelligent. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. I could get a little further into it. But again, I don't want to go down that road, truthfully. I mean, we're living in really rotten times and they're very sad, depressing times. Everyone's at everyone's throat. And now to top it off, we're living with the uh, police aid under the guise of doing it to save us. It's shocking that they've destroyed economies across this country. So you say, well, what would you do, Michael, if you had the power? Would you really reopen all the cities and all the states right now? No, I wouldn't. I would have done selective quarantine from the beginning, as I have said to you for for six, eight eight weeks now. What I would have done is quarantine those people who are at the highest risk. We're not all at equal risk. We all know that. But I said it eight weeks ago. I said it in March. I was emailing the president. I was emailing governors. I said, don't lock down the counties in Northern California that have uh, no, almost no risk, and it turned out to be very low caseloads. 50% of uh, counties in America have no, no caseloads, yet they were locked down by psychopaths who in the beginning were paranoid, being put out by false scientists and false science and false data. So the fact is, what would I do? I would absolutely quarantine the communities that are spreading this disease, and they are in pockets. The pockets are in dense immigrant communities. You don't want to hear it. You're going to hear it anyway. They are in the homeless communities. I've told you that from the beginning, that this disease would spread most and uh, 
be be most prolific in homeless communities. I was right and I'm right now. And the governors who are killing all of us because of them are the ones who actually should be uh, charged with this destruction of the economies because they knew better. They knew better, but they had did not have the political will to single out those groups that they knew were spreading this disease. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. It is Michael Savage trying to stay alive, keep you alive, keep your spirits up. And given the sad, depressing time we are living in, and no one can argue we are not living in a depressing time, unless you're on drugs. Uh, If you could set the clock back, what was the best time in America in your memory? And I want to say again that true politics is the art of what's possible, not what you want. Everyone wants has a wish list. Left wing wants what they have now, which is total government control and a dependent population that's compliant and frightened. The left is in in pig heaven. They've got everything they've ever dreamed of. And uh, now that communism has arrived, what can they ask for? Well, I have a wish list. But true politics is the art of what's possible. And I don't want to talk about what's possible. I want to talk about the imaginary. And so let's go back in time with the story that came out with NASA scientists have detected evidence of a parallel universe where time runs backwards. And tell me what you think uh, would be the best time in your life or for America. Jim in Toledo has an interesting take, I believe. Jim, go ahead, please. You're on the Savage Nation. Hi, Savage. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up on a farm. At the back of the property was a train track. And a couple times a day, a train would go uh, through there. I was just always fascinated. I would watch it to go out of sight. And I always wanted to know where it went. As I got older, I would follow it as far as I could. And to this day, I still have that curiosity. And it's not just me. I think it's mankind. We've tamed the Wild West. We've tamed the air. We've tamed at least the top of the ocean. We can talk to each other across the whole darn planet. But when you talk about science fiction or space or parallel dimensions, these are things we still don't understand. And I think we thrive to learn, to grow, to push, to conquer. And uh, not only that, on top of that, I think it gives us hope. So you're saying space, time, and beyond is of extreme interest to you. Absolutely, sir. And that the parallel universe is important because it may be real. It may be real. But, but what would this parallel universe be that's running, where time is running backwards? What would it be like? I, I think you'll like this answer. Okay, right now, you're beaming out a radio frequency. There's other frequencies around you. Right now, we're just tuned into your frequency. Doesn't mean the other ones don't exist. They're sharing the same space, but different frequency. That's where the other universe is at. Well, now that brings us to the paranoid amongst us who are terrified of the 5G, ta- 5G towers. Why are they afraid of the 5G towers? Um, well, it's, it's energy. Energy can be good or bad. And uh, there are warnings when you go near their stations and say, uh, you know, don't come near it for extreme le- electrical magnetic energy. Right, uh, absolutely. Magnetic waves have an effect upon uh, our electromagnetic bodies. There is no question that we respond to magnetic waves. And so there is a rational basis for a fear of a 5G tower, just as there is a rational basis for a fear of a government-controlled vaccine, which we all know uh, will not do the job it's said to do, and it might be dangerous. And now we hear that even a psycho like Alan Dershowitz, who posed as a somewhat middle-of-the-roader, comes out the other day and says the government has the power in the Constitution to take you out of your house and inject you with a vaccine if they want to. Could you believe this? the world we're living in, liberals are now showing their true colors, and the color is not very bright. 
Michael Savage, a host like no other. All right, we're turning the clock back together on the Savage Nation, trying to get out of this world, because this is a pretty bad place that we're in, where these czars and czarinas have uh, destroyed economies across this beautiful nation of ours, and uh, they say they're doing it to protect us when we all know they're doing it because they're power mad. Where do they think the money is going to come from, for example, in San Francisco or the state of California? So Newsom has his handout, and he's telling... The man he hates, Donald Trump, to bail out the state of California. Same in New York. I say no, no bailouts. They ruined the state. Let them fix the state. That's what I say. But I think Trump's going to go along with the bailout for a number of reasons. And I don't like it at all. Not at all. So I don't want to do politics. I want to go back in time with you. As I said earlier, there's a new article out. NASA scientists detect evidence of parallel universe where time runs backwards. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting concept of time running backwards. I can't say that I don't live in the past from time to time. You know, I wrote a book called The Savage Life, and it's basically my childhood stories. It's actually one of my favorite books because it's truth, truth, reality. But how much of what my memory is of the past is real? How do I know how real these memories are? Can we really trust our memories? Well, I think I have a photographic memory when, with regard to the big things. So I'm going to read you a page from the 1950s, Boy in the River. It's an interesting and telling story, and I want you to listen to it because it tells you a lot about me. I say, notice the photo of my father standing in the Never Sink River in the Catskill Mountains. It's in this book. He was a young man then, and I was about three or four years old. An incident occurred that has shaped my life. There was a large waterfall not far from there that we kids were warned to avoid. South Fallsburg, New York was the location, South Fallsburg. My dad and I were up river, me in a large inner tube splashing around, protected by my father, or so I thought. He began to maneuver the tube, so I was up river from him, and the waterfall with the strong current running towards him and down, down, down to the churning white falls. As he pushed me upriver, away from him, and away from the direction of the waterfall, he said, I'm pushing you over the falls. And with a smile, he pushed me. I began to cry. In fact, I lost my little head, fearing he was sending me to my watery death. As the current took me towards him, he grabbed onto my tube and said with a smile, don't worry, I was just kidding. Since then, I have never completely trusted anyone. Maybe he did me a favor knowing people and the world that uh, he was living in. Maybe he did this because he wanted to toughen me up. Who really knows? But this was my Abraham and Isaac moment. And I don't think it was God who told him to fake pushing me over the waterfall, only to tell him not to at the last moment. But it makes me think a lot about how I raised my children. I made my children tougher than I am, but I didn't do it by messing up their brains. In other words, there's a way to make a kid tough without screwing up his brain and making him think that he's going one way when he's going the other. So I would take my son on walks uh, during, uh, uh, let's say, a wintry scene here where I live, and the creeks would be overflowing and raging. I mean, they would go up from little dried-out waterbeds in the September era to, like, November, they would be raging and crazy. So I would go on a walk on the side of the hill, over that waterfall, over that, that creek, that raging creek, which became almost a little river, on a little 
little path that was maybe 12 inches wide. And I say to my son, don't look down. Just follow me. Actually, I would walk behind him. I, in case he slipped, I'd grab him. So I say, never look down when you're walking on a place like this. Just look forward. So now he tells a story about when he was 8 to 10 years old. And uh, I took him to a, a zoo. I think he told that story when he came on the show not too long ago. And I um, put him in front of the lion's cage. And I said, listen to me, son, the lion is going to roar at you, but it can't really hurt you because he's behind a bar. You're going to feel his breath. You're going to smell his breath. And it's going to scare the hell out of you. But don't run. Don't be afraid. And you will learn never to fear another man yelling at you. Never. Just remember there's a cage between them and you. Now, of course, there's a rational limit to that, too. There are people you should be afraid of. He certainly knows the difference. But I was trying to give him that sense of courage, and he remembers it to this day. And thank God, he's one of the most, he's the most successful person I have ever met. I don't take credit for it at all. But I'm saying to you, there's a way to toughen up a child without trying to break that child's will to live. And that's something I had hoped to work on, you know, and I think I succeeded to a certain extent, but I don't know. I have to leave it up to them to decide where my failures were. I don't really know where they were. I'm sure there are many because we all make mistakes with our children. We do the best we can. But what I'm saying is we're going back in the past. So for me, that was a bad moment. What were the good moments? Who remembers? I mean, they're all in my book, A Savage Life, the good, the bad. Uh, one of my favorite stories in that book, if you want to dwell on the past for a minute, and this is in a way, in a, this is in a way an entertainment show at the end of the day. There is a great story in here about the guy who was dying of cancer. Oh, I wish I could find that one and go right to it. It's such a beautiful story. Because I remember to this day, I don't know where it is, not from Immigrant Son to Radio Stardom, Can you, not the Leatherman Gets Brain Cancer. We're looking in my book, uh, uh, Savage Life. Now, there's another story I want to talk about, uh, uh, Henry dying and me going to his, is it in this book? It's a great story. Uh, Louis and the Crazed Monkey, no. Dead Man's Pants, no. No, no. Fat Pat and Tippy the Dog, no. I don't know. Happy and Sad Cufflinks, no. Where is this one where he says we don't know where we're going to, we never know where we're going to die? That one where the Israeli Special Forces guy meets me at the grave of, uh, of my friend's father who died, a guy I'd never uh, met before. And he says to me, we never know where we're going to die, but we have to know where we're going to live. I don't know, something like that. Does anyone have that book in front of them? where they can open it up to me. I don't know. I don't have it in my hand. It's a great, great story. Oh, it's in God, Faith, and Reason. I saved that story for God, Faith, and Reason. There it is. You guys want me to do this or not? I'm going to read that story. I just can't wait to read that. Um, I think my memory is actually as good as it's possible for human memory to be. And it's for a couple of reasons. I have kept intimate and detailed journals of my life going way, way back. And they read like photographs to me. I can be where I was in 1971, 72. I can be on an island in Fiji collecting plants. I know exactly where I was. And uh, the memory is pretty clear. And one thing about my family, my mother uh, lived to, to 88. She had a perfect memory right to the end. And uh, we don't lose our memory. Some families do and some don't. So here's one, the room with a view to eternity. I don't think that's the story. 173 Jim you saved my day here I'm just rambling on here because we're going back now no no that's Jewish gangster finds God not him 
not that. That's a different one. No, it's it's when uh, it's when this guy Ben is dying. Is it Rabbi in a brothel? A fable? That's a funny title, isn't it? Rabbi in a brothel. You wouldn't think of that, huh? Would you think I wrote that? He that breatheth forth truth uttereth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. Proverbs twelve seventeen. Uh, so there are some quotes in there that are worth. I don't. I, I don't have the story. I I, re, I didn't plan on this. Jim says one eighty seven. Let me flip. Look, we're just schmoozing around here on the Savage Nation. Look how it begins. A lot of people are in pain right now. Hello. I think that works. Everyone has lost something either dear to them or that that they believed in. But today they're happy. You got people who don't work anymore. They got unemployment six hundred a week. What they never been in such pig heaven thanks to the uh, socialism we're now living in. Oh, I know that if Donald Trump doesn't win, we're going to have socialism. But what if you already have socialism? Was it going to be worse socialism? I guess it could be worse socialism than we have now. But make no mistake about it. We have socialism. That's what we have. See why I don't want to do politics? Because there's no point to it. It makes no difference what we do. We're going to wind up with the same system anyway, it seems to me. Oh, yes. One party is a little more hateful towards white people than the other. Uh, and one is a little more militant with regard to the military. That's that's good. But spending, they're both in on the uh, on the situation of, you know, screwing us over. So um, I can't really find that story, but it's a beautiful story at the grave there. And then he got nope, can't find it. But I wish I could read it to you. Honest to God, I'm just anyone out there have the book in their hand. I would uh, probably find it after the show and say, gee, why didn't I have that in my hand? But uh, it's impossible to prove that God does not exist. Incidentally, is a very good chapter in there. And I'm going to keep I'm going to look for this, which is God is everywhere. The savage. And maybe it's not in here. It is. Here's Murray's casket. Got it. It's called the room with a view to eternity. So where is this? I don't want to read the whole story to you. We don't have the time. We're just going back for a minute. And uh, this is the one about this guy, Bob, who tells me his father's dying. And I hadn't seen him for a long while, right? And uh, he, he says, well, you ought to come visit my father because he doesn't have a long time to go. And so I'm telling the story to a guy that I know uh, and how it was. And this guy was a tough guy, World War II veteran, not the one who's dying, this other one. And I'm telling him the story, and I see his eyes, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, a little wet when I told him about this guy Murray who was dying, and Murray's mutilated hand. Now, this guy, this other guy I was telling it to was an anti-Semite, but he, he had a kind heart inside of him somewhere. And when I told him about uh, Murray's mutilated hand, who had been put through a saw by the Nazis in Auschwitz, even he choked up. He couldn't believe it, that somebody would do that to another, another human being. So I'll pick up the story there, and I say, Murray never cried about his hand, I told Bob. He came to America with Florence, who we met somewhere over there, and had a family, namely Joel. He was full of life, this Murray. He was a big drinker. He loved women. He beat his son with a strap, but he was a big personality. Bob nodded. I think the anti-Semite in him liked the never cried part and beat his son parts of Murray, so I proceeded with my funeral story. I had lost touch with Joel for a few years. His wife threw him out for beating her and at least one of their daughters, and he was in one of his episodic hidings, this time from the sheriff's department. They were after him for his house and all his earnings to give to his grady wife. Somehow, I heard his father, Murray, had cancer and was dying. I called his mother and went over a few days later. 
We brought a bag of groceries, you know, French bread, a pound of sliced turkey, some wine, some vegetables, and a quart of milk. The usual stuff you bring when someone's sick, poor, and housebound. Florence and Joel greeted us at the door of their little one-bedroom apartment on Van Ness. I always liked it there, remembering the few Rosh Hashanah Passover dinners they invited us to. Having been in the antiques business like my deceased father, Benny, the place was filled with oversized, high-quality furniture and paintings. Murray was in a bathrobe in a gigantic English armchair, shrunken but beautiful in a way. He pulled me close and said, Michael, Michael, I remember when you took me and Joel to Berkeley almost 20 years ago. I know you almost 20 years, Michael. That's not a short time. You took me to a bar after on Telegraph. Those were the good times, Michael. Now are the bad times. Bob, I prodded, you hear this? I extend one good deed 20 years ago, and this guy remembers. It's like one of the best moments of his life, this one good drink with me. So he goes into the hospital. We insist they let him out, probably to die at home. And three or four days later, boom, it's over. Like that? Yeah, Joel told me he had been sick most of the night, vomiting probably those toxic chemochemicals. He forces himself up and says, Joel, she's there on your left, the angel of death. Joel gets scared. He says, Pop, there's nobody here but me and Mom. Murray stares at the big chair across the small room. To your right, Joel, on the couch. He's here with her. He stands up, starts to walk across the room and collapses. I can see that even the anti-Semite Bob is tearing up, wiping the tears from his face. Listen, you racist, I said to him, looking at that hole in the ground with Murray's casket so bare and hearing the rabbi's ancient chant and watching the young Mexican gravediggers move by that chant. I became reminded of my own hole waiting. I never knew where I wanted to live, I whispered to Joel's friend from Israeli intelligence, and I sure don't know where I want to die. We never know where we're going to die, he reminded me with the 70s rockers cackle and grin. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. All right, welcome back to The Savage Nation. Time is short, and this entire program can be heard on a podcast within an hour on all podcast sites, whatever you may listen to them on or on michaelsavage.com. So one last little thing. I didn't do coronavirus. Here's a new one. Just came out. Are you ready for this now? Now the CDC is saying the coronavirus does not spread easily via contaminated surfaces. You hear all the wiping and the gloves and the packages that you're supposed to burn when you get home. It was all all a mistake. Uh, How does it spread? The way your mother told you to avoid someone with a cold or a flu. Someone with a cold or a flu, stay away from them. They're sneezing, tell them to go to hell and get on the other side of the room. And you get out of there, out of the way of the droplets. But okay, now again, we have to relearn everything. Everyone's an idiot and doesn't know anything unless some government official tells you what to do. That's all. I remember I was on a plane 20 years ago. And there was a guy who was dying of something. He was puking in a bag. He had an attendant with him. I was in, sitting in first class. He was like in the same row. I was so angry that they let him on the plane. You know, in those days, they could not tell anyone who was coughing, sneezing, vomiting to keep off an airplane. Do you know that? Do you know how primitive this country was with re- in, in terms of commonsensical health advice? And why? The lawyers. The lawyers said that if you threw someone off a plane or prevent them from flying, they could sue you. Huh. Look where we're living now. So what, what do the geniuses say now? Uh, don't go near someone who has respiratory droplets. When they're coughing or sneezing. Okay, mom, thank you. But it's not on a bag that you got to burn when you get home from the supermarket, okay? 
This is a new CDC now says coronavirus does not spread easily via contaminated surfaces. Oh, that's good to know. So all the paranoia is over. Everything you wipe down, the package. You got, I got people washing lettuce now with like hydrochloric acid. They, they take the bag now into the garden with a mask on and burn the bag that they came home with. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's not on the surface to any extent. It's a small, narrow highway on a surface. The big surface is if some idiot who's sick sneezes in your presence. That's the big picture. Anyway, thanks for listening and thanks for taking this ride down memory lane with me. This is the one and only Savage Nation, all on the podcast. Thanks for listening. The Westwood One Podcast Network.